Welcome to We'll Make a Disnerd Out of You, and I'm your resident Disney nerd, Tom. This is the podcast where myself and an array of fabulous guests will be exploring the world of Disney, and in particular, what makes Disney so special to us all. And this week, I am excited to welcome back Beth Monroe. How are you, darling? Hello. I am not too. I'm not as good as last time we spoke because I've got the Rona. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm fine though. Symptoms are minimal. I'm getting over it. I'm halfway through my isolation. I've had lots of time to watch lots of Disney, so all happy days, really. There's always a silver lining with the Rona. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, lots of Disney clubs. That's bad luck, really bad luck. And but at least not being horrible. At least it was now. Oh yeah, horrible. yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I'm I'm home free for Christmas and uh, and my panto week. So. Oh yes, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. Time. That's very mm-hmm. exciting. Have you sold out? We have pretty much. Yeah, I think some tickets just got released because we have a lot of big group bookings, you know, scouts and brownies and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um So I think they may have just released some tickets but I don't know how if they've even they might have even sold them already because we've got a limited run this year again because of because of corona can't use our normal venue because they're using it as a vaccine center I I don't know how we're we're running as normal at our pantomime Mm. and so we're doing Sleeping Beauty and I we are literally I don't know how we're just running as normal with the normal size cast everything something bound to happen so well this is what we said we were like oh we've been so lucky nothing's happened and then two weeks before show week literally i don't know 60 percent of the cast tested positive oh no so, yeah we've it's all that's where it's come from 100 so we are yeah we but it means that show week will be fine the run-up to show yeah. week will be fine show week will be fine that is the most important thing so it's actually <laughs> almost lucky that it's now and not I'm crossing my fingers, crossing my fingers. Me too. (laughs) Um, So I hear while you've been in isolation, you have prepared some questions for me. So uh, whenever you're ready, you may start. Okay, lovely. So my first question, it's going to start on a bit of a downer, actually. What, What is your, what do you think is the saddest Disney song? What's the one that makes you cry? So I had to have a really good think about this one. So um, I, the one that will always stand out to me and does make me cry every time I watch it is when she loved me from Toy Story. Have I got that oh, name wrong? Oh yeah, yeah, with the, yeah, Jesse's song. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, I didn't even think of that one. That's really sad. I just, I, that whole idea is just a song full of abandonment. It's yeah. like, it's so sad. And yeah. um, yeah, it's, you get the, you know, the, the actual animation of her um, being left on the roadside ready for, yeah. uh, for the thrift store. And it's just, oh, it's just so unbelievably sad. Oh, I'm regretting this question already because I'm going to cry. <laughs> so sad i didn't even think of that one that's so sad because the thing is that there's there is quite a few because i was also the um i can't remember what the, what's the what's the one in dumbo the yes one the one uh, it's like called like is it called like child of mine or something that's baby, the one that immediately came mine. to my head baby mine or something like that, yeah something like that when she's rocking yeah. him in the trunk oh my god yeah that was the one that came to my head immediately when i was asking this question actually yeah 
really really sad. Um, what would you? What would, so you would you would that be your sock? Your that's my immediate one. But you know what? Actually, in preparation, well, not preparation, but as I said, I've been watching a lot of Disney, um, mm. and I did watch the Rescuers this week. And I know that it's not a Disney song because it's not sung by Disney, but there's a bit where it's like, oh, little girl, cheer up. Somebody's going to find you and love you. And Penny's in the orphanage and she doesn't have a mum and dad. And oh, my God. Yeah. And it's right at the beginning. And it really hit me. So it's, the, it's the one that was sung for um, like the, the opening credits. Um, uh, I don't so, think it's the opening credits. No. I think it's when it's when uh, she's the cat's trying to cheer her up. Oh yes, like the yeah. little monster that goes back yeah. into her. It's so sad. I was literally in tears, and I was just like, "Oh, <laughs> like why am I watching this? Why am I doing this to myself?" Yeah, that I didn't. I don't remember that really being in it, and I think it's because it's not like a musical film. Yeah, um, so you don't associate it, but I suppose technically it is a Disney song because it's in the film and was probably yeah. written for the film. But oh god, yeah. Happy so I, I will obviously we will come back to the rescuers a little bit later. Mm. Um, yeah, I definitely yeah that the whole premise of of those, both those films is yeah. quite dark, really. But anyway, so um, second question then. Mm, second question is what is your I hope this hasn't been asked already what is your favorite live action Disney film that they have made so far it hasn't and do you know what in it's just funny that Martin and I was watching something this week we that he hadn't seen it and I saw it when it first came out on um when Disney Plus first came out just before lockdown um and that's the live action of Lady and the Tramp Oh, yeah. Oh, really? You really liked that one? Oh, I love it. I think it's particularly because at the moment, both Martin and I really want a dog. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> both of us, it's just like, I, I think I've always been this person that sounds awful to say this, but I'll watch, and, watch the adverts and there'll probably be some child, um, you know, wanting food in um, mm-hmm. sort of India or somewhere in Africa and, and I'm like oh that's sad and then the next advert is oh the you know dog, RSPCA RSPCA like dog, <laughs> dogs you know need to be looked after this Christmas and I'm like oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and I'm a blubbery mess and I, I've always been the same I don't know what it is but mm. um, I'll always but, hit you harder yeah um, and yeah I just there was just this as a film, it, it delves into the story of Lady the Tramp so much more. Mm. Um, and I just feel they got something right about this film. They they were able to, to deal with the sentiment of the film really well. It was re- it was re I felt it was a really good um sort of uh what's the word I'm looking for? It's a really good um sort of it's got the nostalgia of the old film. Yeah. Um, and um, it commemorates the old the old music really really well. And uh, at one point in Bella Norte, they actually have um, the recording of the original film. So they actually have like the actual recording of that song within the new recording of it. Um, and I thought it was really really sweet. You know, it was a nice nod to its origins. And I just love it because the whole of like I mean, I'll go more into this a little bit of a clue there um in the coming weeks but the um the the whole feel of like that sort of perfect edwardian america mm. um is a sort of 90 early 1920s um late teens sort of america 
is so um, was so important to Disney to Walt Disney himself and that's how he imagined life does that make sense that's yeah. how he wanted life to be yeah. so he and um, that's you know and that's what he based Disneyland around so like the main street has the same feel and so it, it just has all those kind of feels for me um mm. yeah that's I do, really I, interesting that was not one that I even re- I mean, I've seen it and I wouldn't have even put it on the list of, really of I think because it wasn't very well marketed at the time I, I no. mean, when it came out like it wasn't they didn't have a lot of advertising for it. It just kind of appeared out of nowhere. And I did watch it because my husband's, one of my husband's favourite classic ones is Lady and the Tramp. He okay. absolutely loves it. Um, and um, yeah, so we watched it together. And I wasn't, I've got to say, I'm not, I wasn't mad keen on it. I get like the nostalgia and everything. And I think mm. it was very well done. Um, but I still wouldn't have picked it as one of my favourites. And honestly, yeah, it didn't even enter my mind. So that's very interesting. It's just, it's just difficult because... Um, the Beauty and the Beast live action, mm-hmm. I I loved. I did yeah. really love it, and you know, it, mainly because of the music. Um, and I thought Ewan McGregor was incredible in the film, and yeah. I adore Luke Evans. Like, I just love him. He was him. good. He was very good as Gaston. He was excellent. Very good as Gaston, but everything else about that film just annoys me. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was so excited for, I remember like, I I think it came up on my Facebook memories and I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be the best live action yet. I'm so excited for it. And when I, I you know, what actually ruined that film for me is at the end where he does the growl. Like I can't remember. Bell says something like, maybe there's still part beast in you. And he's like, Oh, it just, I was like, I was fine up until that moment. And I was like, I can never watch this again. That's horrible. Why did you do that? I really think so. I really like Dan Stevens. Yeah. I like him, and I loved him in Downton Abbey. And I've liked. I've, I can't remember what I, I saw him in a play in the West End. I can't remember what it was called now. But I, he's really a, a really great actor. Mm. But he was not right, and mm. they just still, you know, he needed. He he didn't have the looks. So that no. moment when he like gets revealed at the end, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, he wasn't the prince that I wanted, really. And yeah. he, yeah, I, I just, I just felt it just, it was a bit of a funny casting. Yeah. Um, and obviously Emma Watson, like, yeah, auto tuned to the hilt. You know, it's like, yeah. it's well, I remember when they released the Bell before the film came out, and I just went, uh oh, <laughs> this yeah. doesn't sound great. And it's just like there's so many people they could have chosen, and yeah, yeah. I, it, it was a it was a missed opportunity, I think. Um, yeah, I agree. Often. And the thing is, when you, if you if Emma Watson could sing and and do you know the musical theatre thing, mm. then she genuinely would have been perfect for that role. Genuine, she's I think she's got the look, she's got the kind of attitude, like have the she basically is Belle. Mm. But she can't sing. No. And she can't do the acting and singing, which is so important for yeah. the musicals. And I think, yeah, I, I'm totally agree. I so, think I when I before I realised how bad she was going to be in those bits of the film, I was. I don't know how it. true this is, but I heard on the grapevine because I, obviously I love the musical because I directed it. Well, sorry, I produced mm. it with Youth Theatre. Yeah. Um, but the there's a. a point when she's been trapped with the wardrobe in the bedroom and she um the you hear the riff of um home the, the mm. song home from the musical 
And I heard on the grapevine that actually sort of having since done the B2B service, I did a bit of research and someone was saying to me that they actually were going to put it in, but they decided not to because Emma Watson couldn't sing it. And it's like, mm. oh, okay. <laughs> because it's, it's like, well, you know, if that's what, you, uh, it, it, not just casting when it comes, it sort of comes head to head with the artistic. Yeah. Um, output of the film I just go why yeah. why is casting ever because it's never gonna it's never gonna turn out great it's not gonna turn out how you want it to so just don't yeah that's yeah. been my view yeah, yeah. You're, cast, you're casting the name over the talent and that mm. is always a shame yeah completely yeah. I'm just trying to think the other live action I mean Jungle Book um I haven't actually seen all the way through but what Neither I have, have I. everybody says it's amazing and I haven't seen it all the way through and I'm kind of kicking maybe that's one for me to watch in the next yeah half of isolation but mm. but it's a thing with thing with Jungle Book is that from what I have seen it's quite scary and there was I nothing know. about the original Jungle Book that was scary and it was like you know it was all yeah. quite nice um so I, d- I don't know. Even the bit with Shere Khan wasn't particularly scary because he had the vultures, yeah. and it was like, I yeah, I, I I don't know whether I want to be scared by King Louis really. And the original um the original book the Rud- is Rudyard Kipling, right? It's, yes. Um, is it's quite adult from what I remember. Yeah. It's 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 very not Disney, which is. Yeah, it's because uh, they've got the, the scene with the wolves at the beginning and everything. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I haven't read it for, a, I think it was when we did it for you, Theatre, right? We read the original book. So what was that like <laughs> seven years ago? Oh my God, I completely forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Book. It's when I got that one kid to um, be the tree. <laughs> 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 yeah. And it was like he joined like two weeks before the show. And I was like, oh God, what do I do with this child? And I was like, oh, I know what you can do. You can be a tree. And I gave him one line and it was over. I'd forgotten about that. But yeah, that was that was an interesting one. <laughs> Max, like that's sort of Max's like favourite youth stories because he's always like, he doesn't, didn't he just like, he was stood still all the way through and then also went, run Mowgli, run. And then... <laughs> I don't even remember what the line was, but yeah. I do remember a kid just joining. We were like, oh my God, we have to find a part for him. What are we going to do? yeah okay amazing right okay well next right. question then yes next question moving swiftly onwards so right as we mentioned before we are both currently in panto mode mm-hmm. uh, rehearsing so if you could turn a disney film into a panto one that isn't already a well-known panto so no mm. snow white no cinderella what would it be so I was really having a good think about this. The big one that pops into my mind first is um, Rapunzel, so Tangled. Ah, yeah. uh, you know, it's got so like it's got so much scope for a really yeah. good panto. Classic, I imagine classic fairy tale type thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's um, I it's got a definitely got the potential for to be a great panto. You have got the villain, you have got the witch, yeah. you um you've got the princess you've got the prince you've got potentially like um the sort of comedy sidekicks with um the uh, the two baddies that you know potentially that you could make them almost like yeah thug, um, but thick thug like yeah, yeah, really work yeah. and then you've got all the all these other sort of almost like quite slapstick moments with everything that happens in the the pub and yeah. and 
just you know the chorus of the city you know where she comes from and all of those kind of things and like the king and the queen kind of characters that they fit into a pantomime quite well mm-hmm. um but I, i've never understood why rapunzel has never taken off as a panto yeah interestingly okay. enough i think it was actually the year before i joined my current drama group that i'm doing panto with now they actually did rapunzel as a panto Um, So I didn't see it, unfortunately. So I don't know how close it was to the Disney version or if it was more based on the original fairy tale. But I think, yeah, you're right. Like you said, the the potential for the characters from Tangled to be in a panto. Because I I mean, obviously the original story of Rapunzel is just witch prince tower. And Um, you've got a horse. You've got a panto horse, you know? Like, there's nothing better than the panto horse. Like, it's... I, I just... Yeah, Panto is always a funny one. And I think, you know, everyone goes to the titles that they know work really well. And, Mm. um, yeah, they go to Dick Washington, Cinderella, Aladdin, um, Jack and the Beanstalk, Sleeping Beauty, all of the ones that they're used to. Mm. But I've noticed in the last few years that a few more sort of newer titles have started to appear. Um, They were trying to do a Little Mermaid Panto at one point. I mean, Kudos. Were trying to do that a few years back they tried to bring back robinson crusoe yeah, um, yeah but... well we're doing treasure island this year which i've never right. seen or been in as a panto and i've done a lot of in my life so yeah it, it's a funny way it's just i you know there's lots of um so obviously in history there's lots of panto so going back 200 years 100 years it's there were lots of titles that are not used nowadays mm-hmm. Um, you know, Robinson Crusoe was a very, very, very popular pantomime. Yeah. Um, but Rapunzel isn't yeah. one that has, that you know, it's not one of those titles that was really popular and it's not popular now. It it just has never been. And I, I yeah. just don't quite get that. It's never, you know, I, I can never remember going to see a pantomime of Rapunzel. I don't, I can't mm-hmm. remember ever from, I did a lot of research in pantomime when I was, both at university and at college and um, at both periods that you know there was no sort of records of a Rapunzel mm-hmm. Pato and I think mm-hmm. you know there's so much scope there. Absolutely um, it doesn't really because it was it's not like it's got the kind of it wouldn't be diff- that difficult to set um, or to stage it's yeah like you said it's got all of the elements of a traditional fairy tale that would work <laughs> in a panto so yeah you're I don't know why it, it's it's not a big one because it does yeah it doesn't make any sense. There's, there's ones that you see, like obviously Peter Pan isn't done very often with Amdram groups because of the flying and everything. Little Mermaid, obviously, got said under the sea, things like that. Like there's there's ones that it makes sense that they haven't mm-hmm. been pantified. Um, I mean, I mean Peter yeah. Pan. Peter Pan is a huge. Panther, it's a huge I mean, one for professional, but more professional. Is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have done it as an Amdram panto. I was really? Captain Hook. Um, did you get to fly? I did fly? get to fly and hysterically so I had, did this story with Sally on her episode so the, the I actually flew upside down because I flipped oh I remember hearing that yes I remember talking about it now that's brilliant yeah so yeah um I, yeah. yeah I've never known an Amdram group to do um to <laughs> to mess with flying <laughs> but yeah I've done it quite a few times wow you've got to have the the technology within the theatre that you're working at to be able yeah. to do it. that's the okay. thing yeah. Um, but yeah I mean I know we're going off piste a little bit um, but yeah you know it's, it is panto season it is panto season um, but for you so what what 
what would be yours what would be your sort of pantomime that you that yeah. you would potentially turn into a panto I think I, I don't really know I think there's so many again I've got hmm, it's not Disney this is the thing I would love to it's not Disney so I don't know if I'm even allowed to say this but I Pay think for Shrek, it. Shrek would make an amazing panto yeah, it would, it would, it would. And it's because it it's would. got all of the fairy tales, but then it has the elements of the Disney fairy tales in it, because obviously you've got yeah, like, yeah. the princesses and everything like that. So that's kind of why I chose it, just because I think it's kind of an all-rounder. Um, it, it literally has everything, and you can so, put in whatever you want, so that's why I would choose that. But it's not it's not Disney, obviously, it's which has Disney. bits of Disney in it. But also, just, I don't know, just from someone who's directed in the past and... Mm. Um, someone who does panto regularly I do you find yourself when you're like listening to like Disney soundtracks or musical theatre soundtracks or just random songs mm. do you find yourself oh that'd be really good to go in panto oh god yeah I literally have I have a panto like soundtrack I have a song for every occasion in my head yeah. but that's also something that I love doing as a director is is um designing the sound like, I okay. absolutely love it. Like I did a show called the Regina Monologues, not to be confused with the other one. Um, um, yeah. And yeah, like that was the most fun part was getting everybody's because I had six actresses who played the six wives of Henry VIII, and right. each one had their own entrance music that went with their character. And honestly, right, okay. I had so much fun doing that and finding music that suited. Yeah. And I've got, yeah, there's so many songs in my head that I'm just like, oh, yeah, if I had a villain, I'd use that song. If I had a, like, a moment with the, you know, the dame and the love interest of the dame, I'd use that song. I, oh, yeah, I've literally got an entire playlist in my head. I anyway, I think we've, we've digressed. Yes, like, yes, we've done a lot of panto Into panto land. <laughs> um, so, um, next question then. Right, next so question, question four. Um, and this is, yeah, completely off track from what we've been talking about so far. But I know you obviously are a frequent goer to the Disney parks. Mm. So, and because I have most recently been to this park, so I'm asking, what is your favourite ride at Disneyland Paris? It's so, it's like the hardest question you could ask anyone <laughs> that loves Disney. <laughs> because I have two I was well, going to say, is this going to be like I a have, question where, was it Sally that asked you your favourite food and you basically did two days worth of meals? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so I have, the problem is I have three. I have three okay, okay. and they all have for different reasons. So um, the first two are because they're in two different parks. Okay, so, that's fair, that's fair. You're allowed that. Um, in the actual Disneyland Park in Paris, my favourite ride is Big Thunder Mountain. Okay. Yep. Just for the theming, so like you know, you you're in a mine train, you go underground, then when you come out, you go through this huge like cavern that's all been handmade, and it looks so real. And it, you know, you get all the dripping water and like mm -hmm. the can like the the big pool underneath. And it's just so well lit. And then you go through all the mountain, and it's like you've got all these different scenes with like mountain goats and like little huts with people putting their washing out. And it's just this is a roller coaster as well. It's just like yeah. so well themed. And then when you go um, back into sort of the mountain again to go to, through the top, they have this um, uh, like the the gunpowder going up the side, like the fuse going up the side of the tunnel. Yeah. And when it hits the top, when you leave, it explodes. And it's just incredible. Like, it all so well-timed. I mean, that's why I love Disney parks, because, you know, they don't 
scrimp on yeah. their theming and it's just you're so engrossed in that world in that ride you're on it's just incredible um my other one for this particularly for the same reason the theming in the disney studios is um tower of terror yes i love tower that was that would have been one of my favorites so it's brilliant the whole concept of walking into this 1930s hotel hollywood hotel and like the theming of it, you know, it's it's a lift shaft that was hit by lightning and the guests disappeared and you're now going to see them through because you're stepping into the twilight zone. And and all of that is just incredible. But also because now they've redesigned the Tower of Terror. So oh. the the three lift shafts at, or how many lift shafts it is, there's three possible journeys you can go on. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. That's really cool. So you could go on it one time and it, it has like a sequence of dropping and, and fall and going up mm-hmm. um, that is completely different to the next time you go on to it. So yeah. it makes it so much more unexpected. So every time you go on it, you don't know which one you're going to get and you could drop at a different point than you did last time and mm. it completely takes you off guard and it's, it's fab. And I just love that about rides. That's but really th- good. I didn't know that they'd done that. That's really clever. It is really clever and like everything within the hotel. So all of the things that are covered in cobwebs and things are actually real. So they're not they're not made for the, oh, the ride. Really? They're real antiques. Oh my god, I did not know that. That's yeah, crazy. They're real antiques. And like you go into the library where they show you the video and they're, mm. they're real books, the real bookcases. And I just it's just great. I love it. It's so so, so good. My other one, which I just I have to include it because just of who I am, my other one is Star Tours. Yeah, I just, that would be one. <laughs> I just adore it and it's one ride that I literally would leave and walk back into the queue line and then leave and get back onto the queue line just because when you're walking through and it's like you're walking through a starport and it's just so Star Wars, so Star Wars. I just love it so much. And then you end up uh, like on the ride and like um, Tower of Terror, every time you go on it, it's different because they have different tracks that you can go on so it's like different um planets each time and I just I just love it it's brilliant so yeah they're my three got three <laughs> I'll let you have three that's fine um, I knew I knew um, that the Star Wars one would be up there because yeah and how much you love Star Wars but yeah no I think yeah for me yeah Tower of Terror is one of them up there for me it's actually one of the only roller coaster style rides that my dad will go on I really weirdly absolutely hates roller coasters as a general rule. Terror of Terror, he's like, let's go again. That's great. Oh, loves so it. Good. So weird. But anyway, it's just yeah. exhilarating. <laughs> Love it. Anyway, next yeah. one. Look. Right, last question. So, which Disney film would you love them to make a stage show of? And I'm not talking the shows in the Disney parks. I'm thinking like West End Broadway. So we had this before, and I said Hercules, because Hercules is actually now happening, which is so exciting. I didn't so, know so exciting. Cool. Yeah, so just before the Rona, they had um, uh, like a tester production in Central Park, mm-hmm. and it's being um, developed now for Broadway, which I is know. amazing. Um, I've also talked about Tangled in the past with this one. So Tangled, mm-hmm. and there is a musical version of it on the Disney Cruises, Right. Um, full stage production of it. Um, but I would like, um, I'm trying to sort of go through the other ones, because we're now getting to a stage now where lots of them have actually happened. Yeah. Um, 
I would absolutely adore the Oliver and Company to be made into a stage show. It's oh, a random really? one. With the cats? It's, yeah, with the cats and the dogs. I, okay. It's just incredible. Like, more than anything, just because of the music. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a soundtrack along with Hercules. Uh, Hercules, Beauty Beast, Aladdin um, and Oliver and Company are my ones that I will listen to in the car um, over and over again. And it's, I just love it. You know, to see, you know, someone singing the Bette Midler song with, you know, this like glamorous dog walking down a staircase, like with being surrounded by birds. It just, yeah, it would just be incredible. incredibly hard to do. But I, yeah, I would just on a soundtrack basis, I would love to see that staged. I mean, if they can make cats and they can make like Starlight Express, which is basically people dressed as trains. Yeah. There's no reason why they couldn't make that work. Why not? Because it's it's a difficult one now because everything has been done so yeah. even down to tarzan has had a stage version aladdin yeah 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 so that was on broadway it never made it to uk there's tarzan hunchback of notre dame um mm. herpes is now being done aladdin beauty and the beast um there are current talks i think dumbo is is having um a stage version maybe. That's, that's been in talks for years Pinocchio, there's been stage talks about uh, talks. Uh, Pinocchio, sorry, Pinocchio has already happened. I lied. I went to see it. Really? Pinocchio has already happened. Wow. Um, it was on at the National Theatre. Um, and yeah, there's quite a lot up there that are, the shows that, I mean, Little Mermaid also has been yeah. done. Yeah. So we are now at a stage that quite a lot of. Not many left. There really isn't. Oh. Um, but yeah, I there's there's always some kind of rumour that this film is going to be turned into a stage show mm. um but yeah i'd like to see something a little bit more obscure i think mm. from the different catalogue yeah. yeah sometimes i think the obscure ones do quite well because it's almost like it doesn't people don't have such a high expectation almost, yeah because not that many people are familiar with it because I, um, loved, I loved, I loved, I did love Aladdin, but because it is my favourite all-time Disney film, that actually the stage show was a bit of a, in my terms, a bit of a letdown. Mm. Um, it, you know, it didn't end how how I felt it needed to end, and it did at times feel a bit pantomimic, and I just was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I loved it, but it just wasn't quite there for me. But Frozen was. Oh my God, Frozen was like, I can't even explain how incredible Frozen was. It was just on a complete other level. And the fact that it came to the Drury Lane Theatre and was able to be expanded even further because of the size of the theatre yeah. is incredible. And and obviously Bedknobs and Broomsticks as well that Martin and I went to see. Yeah. Just done on a very much more intimate scale, but just beautifully done very a great ensemble piece just just yeah um we are getting to a point yeah we are getting to a point now where there's very few of my favorites that yeah. have been done already yeah they're going to be so, done before yeah okay oh uh, yes interesting so right. um yeah so now have you got, you've got did you do your trivia question i did do my trivia question i'm, I'm so very excited, excited I'm so about excited. trivia questions i'm really really hoping i brought you out I really hope I have, and I really—I no. don't think any of them have been asked before. Right, okay. Okay. dokie. Question one. Are you ready? I'm ready. In the 90s, there was an internal newsletter for animators at Disney. What was it called? 
an internal newsletter okay. like a like a round robin oh, that they would send wow. to the animators like once a week or something and i'll give you a little clue it's named after something from a disney movie which isn't really a clue because you said i probably guessed that oh my god mm. i one, really right? don't know <laughs> i really don't know okay i'll should i give you a, another clue and you can get half a point if you get it from this okay so the film that the the name of it is from is from 101 Dalmatians. Oh, um, no, I don't. I really don't. Okay, well, here, don't you? it's called The Twilight Bark. Oh, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Yeah. So there's, there's, if you can actually buy copies of it on eBay and stuff like that, like old copies oh, really? in the 90s, yeah, they used to send it around the animators and it was like, hey, this week you can like get free coffee in the staff room and stuff like that, yeah. That's so cool. Didn't know yeah. that. There you oh, go. Anyway, one point to you. One, one point, point to, to you. me. I'm going to write these down. Hang on. There we go. Right. One point for Beth. Okay. Right. Question two. Uh, which animated Disney feature film has the most songs? Um, I think it's Beauty and the Beast. Incorrect. Because... What? Incorrect. It's got to be. No, it is. Do you want me to? Do you want to know, or do you want another guess? <sighs> I am gonna go for maybe Hunchback of Notch Dame. Also incorrect. Oh no! You have to tell me. The right answer is actually Alice in Wonderland. Of course. There are 15 songs in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Because you have all of the sort of interlocking yeah. little songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. two to you. Two Go to me, on. I am. Oh, my God, I'm winning. Right, okay. Third question, and this one. I, I don't know if you'll get this one. I don't think you will. Um, There is a brand of crisps that was originally invented in Disneyland. Do you know which crisps were invented in Disneyland? Well, and I don't know which park it was. This is the only thing I couldn't find out, but I'm going to assume it was California. But I oh don't my God, you sure. literally have chosen the questions that are just going to completely yes! stump me. I'm so excited. A brand of crisps that uh-huh. were... Yeah, so, ba- so this brand of crisps was invented at Disneyland in one of the restaurants. Uh, and then the company that now manufactures the crisps bought the recipe of them and now sells the crisps under a different brand name. And it's can we buy them in this country? You can buy them in this country. They're very popular in this country. And you can buy them in America, obviously. And they got they're the same, it's the same name of crisps in this country and in America as well. Same same brand name. Is it Cheetos? It's not Cheetos. I can give you the name of the restaurant in the Disney park that they were invented at. There's, there's a clue. Okay, yeah, go for it. But the restaurant is called Casa de Fritos. Doritos. Yes. Yes. Well done. Okay, you can have that one. Yes. You can have that one. Yes, they uh, apparently the restaurant Casa de Fritos invented them by repurposing stale tortillas, and the recipe was eventually yeah. bought by Frito Lay, who produced them today. Yes. There you go. Well done. Well done. Amazing. I'm impressed you got that one. Okay, is this my final question? No, I've got one more after this. Okay, so um, 
who is the only official Disney princess who doesn't sing? The only official Disney princess that doesn't sing. Let me, I should know this. I'm going to go through it. <laughs> You've got to go through all the princesses in your head. She sings. <laughs> it's, oh, she sings. It's um, Merida. It is. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Well done. I thought you'd get that one. Yes, it is Merida. It doesn't sing at all. But I forget she's an official princess because I always think she's Pixar, yeah. but she's not Pixar. She's an official princess because she's in um, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Oh yeah, is that, is that how you? Is that who you were going through? You were going through Ralph Breaks the Internet and the Princess. I was a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! I love that scene. Right. Okay. Final question, and I really hope you get this one. What okay. does Epcot stand for? Oh my god! I was watching the Imagineering program about this. Mm. Yes, a couple of days ago, the um. No, I'm not going to get it. Oh, this is the tiebreaker one as well. I'm not going to get it because okay. you so can ask you. me. Okay, it stands for Experimental Prototype right. Immunity of Tomorrow. Yeah. Oh and apparently, God. I didn't, I had no idea about this, but it was going to be a model community. This is what Walt yep. Disney wanted. A model so community with 20,000 people living there in a climate controlled setting. It was going to be a full-blown yeah. city in the like middle of Florida. experimental city like yeah. to, demonst- to demonstrate to the world what American communities can accomplish through proper control of planning and design. Yeah, it was... Um, if he hadn't have died, it potentially could have happened. But, you know, obviously Epcot, then they took some of the ideals of Epcot to become the Epcot part, mm. essentially. I mean, yeah. it's great. It's an amazing part. It's probably one of my favourite parts of the Disney park. I love Epcot, but yeah, really weird that people were going to like actually live there. Yeah, it's kind I, of cult- it's kind of sci-fi. It's really weird. It is cool though. I do like the idea of it though. Yeah, it's cool. So I think at the I moment know. I am losing. I am I losing. That was three two to me. So I am well happy with that result. The guest Disnerds are still holding the crown. <laughs> this is not great. It's not great. I think we're just making the questions harder and harder because we know that you, you know are, everything. You are. <laughs> you are. You are. You are. Right. So um, we're going to have a short break. And after the break, we are going to start looking at this week's film, which is one of my very obscure favourites, um, Res- Rescuers Down Under. Yay. So I will see you in a minute. Bye. If you want to get in touch with us at We're Make a Disney Out of You and tell us about your Disney, then follow us on Instagram at Disney underscore nerd underscore podcast, or you can email us at disnerdpod at gmail.com. Now back to the magic. And welcome back. And as we said before the break, um, I'm very excited to go through probably one of my most obscure favorites um and that is rescuers down under uh, yeah. yes have you enjoyed watching it this week yes i have actually i think yeah brought back a lot of memories for starters but first of all why is it why is it one of your obscure favorites That's what I, so know. I, I think it's one of my favorites because we talked about it in basil the great mouse detective that um, as a kid, I loved this idea of 
sort of miniature world building. Um, and the big thing that I loved about Baz the Great Mouse Detective is it was like a little mice world. They'd created this world that mm-hmm. exists um, within the human world. And I loved that idea. Um, and like to the point that my cousins and I used to make little model villages and things like that in my nan's garden. And um, so I think sort of linking in just because there's lots of Disney films like this where they've got like almost like the mice wear like clothes and they have like their own little society and Mm -hmm. um, it's something that's like a running theme you know it even goes back to like Cinderella where like mice and Cinderella have their own sort of little group and um and then obviously you see it in Bats the Great Mouse Detective, the original Rescuers um and obviously Rescuers Down Under and there's been other sort of mice like Chippendale rescue rangers and things like that where it's sort of that similar theme and I just always used to love those films particularly and um I particularly love this film because it's there's lots of um sort of echoes of the human world in this film in their world so like the idea of like they have their own little UN um which I love um and you know their own sort of transport system and all of those kind of things which I just adored and I think also it was just because I I loved rescuers as well absolutely adored rescuers and um it's I always found it really um this sort of idea of the um that's almost like the weaker character the weak you know they're mice um, outsmarting the villains, outsmarting the, yeah. the human beings. I just loved that aspect of the film. Um, what was quite interesting is that the rescuers is actually ended up being quite a, a, an important franchise for Disney and a much loved franchise for Disney, even though this film actually didn't do very well. Um, the the original film was a huge hit of the 1970s um, and was probably one of the biggest hits of that period. But, the, you know, with Disney, they love anything to do with a mouse for obvious reasons. Yeah, yep, um, <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. But the they were always searching for a new sequel for Rescuers. Mm-hmm. Like all the time, they were always looking for that sequel. And I was talking when we did Oliver and Company, they originally want, wanted Oliver and Company to be a sequel to The Rescuers. Yes. Yeah. I remember you mentioning that. That's. Hence why <laughs> yeah. Penny and Jenny look mm-hmm. and sound pretty much identical. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they then found it. Um, in this this sequel, Rescues Down Under. Um, now, the, what I particularly loved about this, it was it was the time I think Australia in the late eighties, early nineties was a, something that the world sort of fell in love with, mm-hmm. and I think particularly our country fell in love with because you know it, we had neighbours, we had home away, yeah. <laughs> There was also um, uh, the something about it was about 
doctors the flying doctors or something which was like a another um soap australian soap oh, i don't remember that um, one that my mum used to watch um and yeah. also at the time we had kylie and jason donovan were really popular and not just in our country but like internationally and it's like we sort of started this sort of love affair with Australia and I think this was Disney sort of cashing in on that a little bit mm-hmm. um, but yeah I I absolutely adore this film I just I love the character of Bernard um, and Bianca mm-hmm. they are probably my favourite Disney couple I think yeah they are so sweet so so adorable and voiced by you know Bianca's voiced by probably one of the biggest Hollywood and Broadway legends ever Ava Gabor yeah it's um sister of Zaza Gabor you know it's like Mm -hmm. it's such a big big cast in that respect um but yeah what what did you think of the film because I know this is something that you you revisited yeah um, having not watched it for a very 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 long time yeah it had been probably 20 years at least since I'd seen this and it was so weirdly it came back to me so quickly it was actually a very weird sensation because I watched it and I was like I don't remember this and then I was like oh yeah the eagle and then I was like oh my god the lizard's gonna eat eagle eggs and like it just I knew exactly what was happening but only like a few minutes before it happened it was like it was like deja vu it was so weird (laughs) but I clearly did watch it a lot as a kid and I think when did this come was it 1990 or something this came out yeah it came out 1990 yeah so like I I was a year old when it came out so it probably was quite a big part of my growing up living in kind of a Disney house um Mm. and uh and obviously watching the original rescuers as well when I was a kid so it kind of all tied into that Original Rescuers, I remember the story a lot more, which I think I mentioned in the last episode. Um, but I, I do, I, I remembered, you know, Penny and I remembered Madame Medusa and everything from the original. This one, if you'd asked me about it, I would have been like, I don't know. I know it's set in Australia and I know it's got mice in it. Well, the thing is, it. you can't talk about this one without talking about Rescuers. Oh, yeah. And I loved Rescuers. And I think that was probably another reason why I loved this film is that I'm, I think I watched Rescuers first and then... Um, I think this was like a film that was like, oh, wow, there's a Rescuers Down Under. And I remember mum and dad buying the sequel for me and Mm. just falling in love with it. And I just remember, you know, the thing that I loved about Rescuers, again, was this like miniature sort of mice world. But also it was the fact that you'd got this villain that was just so incredibly camp and so incredibly fabulous. Um, And... But we don't sort of, funny enough, don't have that mirrored in this film, which no. I found quite an odd move. Madame Medusa is one of these characters, one of these villains, a very underrated Disney villain, but she was actually based upon Cruella because originally Cruella Deville was going to be the. Yeah. Um, you can totally see it. You can totally see it. Watching it now, I was like, yeah, they're so mirrored in each other. Yeah. And it was all it was going to be like a nut it was going to be like a disney crossover but it, it you know it didn't happen um but the i i love that film i think the the concept of it though I, I do wonder whether the idea of sort of orphanages and all of that kind of thing is sort of it was a bit outdated by the 90s they try mm-hmm. to update it by 
making it about you know a child living in the outback and going missing but I think what happened was that actually maybe it was a little bit too dark mm. and in a, in in sort of serious as an adult watching this sort of going oh god like you know a six seven year old going missing in the Australian outback like that's terrifying yeah and would have had you know I can't imagine this film actually doing very well in Australia because you had the the famous story of um a dingo eating I can't remember the woman's name but the the yeah. character on um the down uh, drag race down under but about the dingo eating her baby and I was just like actually like I don't think this was really the right film for Australia because it wouldn't have been that much longer after that had happened yeah uh, can I also say I think if, if it didn't do well in Australia I don't actually know the, the statistics or anything the accents were pretty oh, horrendous God. so if, if so. I was if I was Australian and they'd been like, yeah, this film's set in Australia. And then you come along with these weird half Americans, like occasionally Australian bit of English accents. I would have been like, no, what yeah. are you going to do? Definitely. Because I didn't really realise that as a child, but now as no. an <laughs> watching it this time around particularly, I was just like, wow, you've got this so wrong. Yeah, awful. <laughs> really bad accents. Like, really bad. I think maybe, like, the kangaroo had a good Australian accent. Yeah. And that was the only character in the whole thing that had a decent Australian accent. Yeah, and McLeat, <laughs> to a certain extent, was okay. But all mm. the others were, wow, this this is not great yeah. at all. There's definitely a lot of American actors trying yeah. to do Australian yeah. accents. Yeah. Um, so the, the rest of the cast, obviously, I talked about Ava Gabor. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very famous. She played Duchess in Aristocats. Yeah, yeah. And awesome. obviously Bianca. And um, this actually, sadly, was her last film. Wow, um, really? She died five, she died in 1985. Um, but this was mm-hmm. her last film that she did. Um, and also, I didn't know this until I researched this. Bob Newitt was um, Bernard. And okay. he would he played Arthur Jeffries in Big Bang Theory, so you know Sheldon. Yes, Jeff- I saw that on the. Yeah, I looked on IMDb after I watched it because I recognised the voice and I couldn't think where from. And yeah, really weird. And he's was, the dad in Elf. He's the the dad Elf. Yeah, he's dad in Elf as well. I was oh, like, weird. oh wow, that's amazing. I never knew that. That's no. really cool. Um, but sadly, also Jim Jordan, who originally voiced Orville in Rescuers. Mm. Um, he died um, a year before casting started for this. Oh, wow. And so he, obviously, they couldn't bring him back to do the film. So um, this was the first time that they'd got John Candy involved oh. in Disney. Um, and it was from this that they tried to actually get him to voice the genie. And he actually rejected it and said, no, I'm not going to voice the genie. Wow. Um, yeah, so... I mean, I loved John Candy. This was, this was at the peak of John Candy's career because, and what was really funny, and one of the reasons why this film did so badly was um, because this film came out the same day as another John Candy film, which was Home Alone. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I know John Candy was only in a small part of Home Alone, but he, he had two films coming out at the same time. One of them's going to take, going to win, isn't it? You know, yeah. and Home Alone was the winner. Um and I think it, it was like the opening weekend only across America only made five million. And famously, Jeffrey Katzenberg phoned 
the director and said, look, that's it. It's over. We're, we're not going to pump any more money into this film. And they stopped all advertising for the film. Wow. There and then, at the opening weekend, um, because it, it was a flop. And they said, look, we're not going to pump any more money in because we want the money to go to our next films. Mm-hmm. So when they, obviously the next one after that was Beauty and the Beast. And Beauty and the Beast, because of what happened with this film, started on a relatively small budget. You know, when you mm-hmm. think about what it became, you're like, oh, okay. It definitely, the budget was definitely increased by the time yeah. we got yeah. They put the money in the right place, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, and I, I do wonder because actually critics received this film really well. They actually really loved this film. Um, but you know, it shows that sometimes it just comes down to timing. Yeah, um, it really does. Because, but also, it was a bit of an odd move, and I think it's it's sadly um, it's a casualty of. Disney wanting to stick to its old roots. Mm-hmm. So it came out in the middle of the Disney Renaissance and had yeah. no problems. Yeah. And you think at this time, there was so much talent in Disney. There was Alan Menken and Howard Ashman and all of these people that were making the Disney Renaissance so great. Yeah. But I think because um, it was almost like a hangback from the fact that in the 70s, Rescues was so big, Disney wanted a sequel, and it took them 20 years to make that sequel. But sadly, maybe if it had been made in the early 80s, it might have been a better... Yeah. And you know uh, what? Yeah. It's really funny that you should say that it's, you know, it's Renaissance, it doesn't have that, the Renaissance feel to it. Because mm. at the beginning, watching it, I, obviously, I know it's a Disney film, and I'm familiar with the original Rescuers. It didn't feel like a Disney film. No. That was what I kept thinking at the very beginning when the kid, you know, I don't know if it's the animation style or the so, fact that there's no real singing in it or anything. It just, it, I was thinking this feels like it should be like DreamWorks or something. So it this was actually like the first ever film. So you talk about difference in animation. Mm. This was the first film that used the, used the cap system fully. So we'd seen it in the films leading up to this in certain aspects, like in Oliver, Com- Oliver and Company with the car and the staircase that um, Georgette walks down and in Basil the Great Mouse Detective inside the Big Ben. Mm. And we saw it in um, Little Mermaid in aspects and we saw it um, in sort of other things that Disney were doing at the time. But they it was the first time that they'd done um, a whole film from beginning to end using the computer um, animated production system. Okay, interesting. So it was the first time from beginning to end. So obviously there was lots of hand-drawn stuff, but it was then placed into the computer and layered. So um, it was the first time that we got this really crisp animation. So... Mm. I don't know, and I, I I want to say after this they carried on using it, but I think they they found the better places to use it, and that yeah. I think the the problem that we had was they were like, wow, we can use this, and that's just and you can't help but watch this film and go, wow, this was definitely a tester film for this. this yeah, they movie. really rinsed it. Yeah, I think yeah. that opening shot um, where it's kind of the camera's kind of panning through the outback towards mm. uh, Cody's house. Yeah, and it's like it 
it's almost like hyper-realist. It's like a painting. Yeah. It, but real, it's it's very, it was very odd. But then they kind of use that in some, I think, yeah, maybe it's like the layering of it. Because they use that for some of the yeah. scenery, but not for the, not for the it's, characters. And it was, yeah, it was very weird. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely adore the opening to this film. Oh, yeah, like, brilliant. Imagine, like, you know, you're going to, you want to um, showcase this new way of animating. What better way to do it than the opening of this film? You know, you hear this oh, bang yeah. and it's like, wow, we're rushing through the Australian outback. Mm-hmm. There's no messing about in this film. It's like straight into it. Yeah. Um, which I love. I absolutely loved, you know, it, it's, you know, if you're not paying attention, you definitely pay attention with that first drum strike in this oh, yeah in this film um you know now that obviously this was setting up the one thing and i don't know if you agree with me it's still even now it really winds me up with this film i do love it but they there is some continuity issues in this film okay. so particularly with the eagle yeah well the size yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Like, How is this child as big as an eagle egg? Like ten. Yeah. But if like, <laughs> this child is as big as this eagle's head and like yeah. can sit on top of this eagle's head, I don't know that there are any eagles alive. Not even in not now, but definitely not in nineteen ninety. No. Like you know, it's it. Yeah, it was a. It sort of took you out of the, the sort of the realism a little bit. Um, though is great for the film, but just yeah it was a bit weird and I feel sometimes that the eagle's bigger at points and smaller in other points and it just doesn't quite gel with me yeah because like the mice compared to the eagle would have been a a speck if the boy if that yeah if that ratio was right yeah no I completely agree I did pick up on that as well yeah completely completely um so obviously, yeah, like we we meet Bianca and um, Bernard um, as Bernard's, and I lo- the theme that I love about this film is just this idea of Bernard trying to propose to her. Yeah, adorable, so so, so adorable. So um, and, you know, I, it's the whole idea of the you know he in the first film he's trying to ask her out and be with her, and it doesn't he he, he can't muster up the courage to do it but so they had to sort of keep that going in some way but obviously that natural thing is going to be asking her to marry him and mm. it's just adorable I absolutely love it yeah. such a sweet storyline um yeah so um we we have this love incredible moment where they're all in um they're in the restaurant and the you see the pea dropping off the person's tray and then it being yeah. taken by a cricket and being turned into pea soup and then delivered to their table. I just love that. Oh, it's just so, so clever. So clever. Absolutely love that. Yeah. And just in as a child, that whole world building for me was just, yeah, loved it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm it. sure as a kid I would be in a restaurant and I'd be like, wait, where's the mouse restaurant? Yeah. Exactly. You know, like I'd be like, where where's the where where are all the insects eating their dinner? <laughs> Like, yeah, totally. And so, yeah, you obviously then they get called back to the Rescue Aid Society and sent off for their um, their their venture to Australia. Um, and then this is where we meet Wilbur. And Wilbur, like, you know, I think they did something right in, mm. in casting John Candy. I don't think we lost any of what was so great about that Orville character in the first film. Yeah. Um, I do have to say, though, <laughs> there is an Easter egg in Ooh. not in Rescuers Down Under, but in Rescuers with Orville. And I don't know if you know this this 
an Easter egg. It has been so. deleted off Disney Plus for obvious reasons. Oh, the, I do know this. When they're yeah, when they're flying, yeah. When they're flying and they're diving <laughs> through New York, then when one of the windows is a topless woman. Like, <laughs> yeah. how did Disney get away with this for so many years? It wasn't taken out until the Disney Plus release. Was it's not? just like no. Wow. Yes. Yes. Just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, very, very funny. But anyway, um, I love Wilbur as a character. And but the thing that I found really odd, and I don't know about you, is just and then Martin and I were watching it, we were like the bit the scene when they arrive in Australia, mm. um, and they um and I've got to come back to something else, which I absolutely love about this film. The um when they arrive in Australia and they um they arrive on the um, the the rooftop um, of the hut, and Wilbur hurts himself, um, and he ends up um, in the weird, like yeah. British doctor, yeah. mad scientist doctor surgery. Such a weird aspect of the film. I was like, yeah. was this really needed? Like, yeah, you know, very strange, very strange. And um, yeah, I, I remember that scene watching it as a kid and like cracking up and feeling <laughs> thinking it was hilarious that Wilbur was like trying to escape and all of this I don't remember yeah. it being weird or creepy or anything but watching it again I was like what is happening Why? you know they, they're actually like using like ch- he's like think about using yeah. chainsaws like operate on this bird and you're like wow this is like <laughs> almost like Frankenstein moment yeah. for Disney really weird but really weird. never mentioned again after he cut escape never mentioned no again. you never so see it again <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> really funny. But the um the bit I forgot about that when they're doing the bit when they're bounce, you see the arrow bouncing across the map of the world. Mm. Um I love the bit when it arrives in Hawaii, when the message arrives in Hawaii, when they're like talking about trying to fight rescue cozy. Mm. And all the mice are wearing Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> yeah. I love that bit so, so much. It's so cute. Yeah. So so cute. Anyway, I just needed to mention that. Um <laughs> The but you know, we get this is the whole thing, like you know, actually this film is quite dark. I think yeah. I feel yeah, like, I think, yeah. With the yeah, the fact that the eagle is very realistic, I think makes mm. it darker because it's like it's actual danger and act like it's like a real thing. It's a real yeah. like, the original rescuers, there's probably not some crazy woman stealing orphans to get them to go down yeah. in a cave. But Imagine the like dude because of like going down the cave to get this huge diamond. That's there's almost like some fantasy kind of element yeah, to it. Exactly. Yeah. It's not but a this real This film threat. is definitely yeah. not fantasy. This is definitely real threat. Mm-hmm. And I find like, you know, we talked about villains that the greater villains are the ones that are really camp and like fantasy, but the ones that are real are not so great. And they're the ones you don't remember. And I think mm-hmm. if Heat McClates is scary. Is yeah. really scary. But the um the bit that you know we we meet McLeeds, but the thing I need to talk about, Joanna, I almost like until I I hadn't watched it for a few years, and I watched it about a year ago during lockdown, and and was watching it with Martin, and then I just realized how much I love her. Oh, like, she's so good. She's like it's uh, just yeah. You, you like, just, feel, she's evil, but you feel sorry for her at the same time because yeah. she's like mistreated. But but she's almost like, dog-like. Eggs. <laughs> yeah. She's dog-like. She's not a lizard. She's like more like a dog. Like, yeah. 
and I just the the slapstick, and I think it's probably, and I don't know about you, but the, because of the whole pantomimic element of that scene, when she's trying to get the egg out of the the lunchbox, yeah, and she's tricking, they're tricking, he's they're trying to trick each other. And I just love it so much, mm-hmm. and I just like all the timing was perfect. Yeah. But I, I it, it, what it pushes in this film is because it's so dark it's so obvious that they've got to have these comedic moments yeah like if they didn't this film would be such a drag like um you you know but it's great they've got these moments but there was a lot of them because they needed them and I find that you know it's but that bit in particular I watch very often I just find it on YouTube and watch it just because it makes me laugh it's clever yeah it's clever to not have because the comedy comes from the action and from Joanna. Yeah. The, the villain never has any comedic moments. Like there's, there's no. no, there's no comedy to, but they still manage to include him in that yeah. comedy scene, which is very clever, I think. And, you know, I look at that. I always look at the scene and I'm like, oh, I'd include that in Panto. I would have that as my oh, Panto yeah. thing. It'd just be so funny. So, so funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, the you know because it's then we then are pulled back into this dark element almost straight away where the the child is released from its prison where we also get the comedy moment with all the other animals and the 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 ruffled lizard who we meet Mm -hmm. and it's like i love these characters and then we don't see them again yeah they disappear yeah they're just not they're gone not mentioned again yeah can i also say one thing that did bother me watching this as an adult is why can some of the animals talk and some can't oh my god yes 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 so i disney have never really done this before it was like you know it's either all the animal talk or they don't and but there were some animals that could and some animals that couldn't what's the thing that makes them talk like you know (laughs) it's so annoying i was like why can't you just but then also the eagle because the eagle couldn't talk but could understand the kid and could communicate yeah and i was like well then talk because the other but like there's birds that can i oh it did drive There's me some a continu- bit there are some continuity problems i think yeah. There. um but yeah so we get we get this dark like, we this whole concept with this film there's lots some really great characters in there but you do feel they're placed in just for the comedic element and yeah. there's yeah. no sort of like i would like to see how these animals actually got out of their cages and what happened to them mm-hmm. because you know mcleats dies he dies and it's like actually these animals are still trapped what happens to them I want to know and that yeah there were characters that they just their storyline wasn't rounded and I I just found that that is a big plot hole I feel in this film yeah um just used as devices um quite sad devices because you know like the koala's got this thing around his neck and yeah. like the kangaroo's like chained up and it's just like yeah um but anyway so they release the boy and he goes off to try and find the eggs and he's tricked to go and find the eggs um and then we get this other really amazing slapstick moment with joanna trying to eat the stone yeah egg. that and... was so like that like i remembered that like I'd watched it yesterday when I saw it. I was yeah. like, yeah, I know exactly what's happening here. I I could literally picture it, having not watched it for 20 years. Yeah. Lo- amazing really moment. Yeah. Amazing moment. But you know, obviously I important, but it's you know, it, it is important. I had this like bit when McLeats dies, I always thought that Joanna waved to him. Oh did that happen or did I miss that? I don't think like, I remember 
there's that? a bit you can maybe it's just like you can see Joanna in the background just on the what rock just looking at him yeah. <laughs> it's just like going over the waterfall like, all right, then bye. <laughs> just love it but the um but yeah and obviously then we we get all the sort of the moment with um them going off and trying to um get the Bernard and Bianca meet up with the boy and um what was the other Australian mouse name I can't remember his oh, name. Oh God! He, well, yeah, because he's not a mouse. He's like a jumpy little jumping mouse, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. Um, um, oh God! I can't remember. I didn't anyway. write it down. The little oh, jumpy yeah. Australian mouse. Yeah. He um he you know they they come they try to save the boy and they come up with this plan. But um and obviously Bernard all the way through this has um which they've kept from the theme from the rescuers is that you know he is the downtrodden. He's the he's finding it hard to find that bravery and he he feels that he's losing Bianca because he's met she's met this other mouse that who is more heroic but. He finds that courage and like it's the bit when he gets to the boar, the wild boar, and he's like staring him in the face and he's like, I am going to ride you and you are going to take me. And it's like, <laughs> yes, Bernard, yes. And <laughs> yeah. um, then, but I was a bit troubled. Bernard, it, it was a Disney character that actually killed the villain. Yes. You know what? I actually had this conversation like two years ago. I was in the pub and we were trying to think of any Disney film where the villain is actually killed by the hero mm. could not think of one and, and and we didn't think of this one and yeah it's that it very very rarely because ever happens oliver and company is the only disney film where you see the villain die mm. so you, you see him coming along the this, towards the subway train and his eyes widen and then you see the explosion yeah and you don't see that in Disney films very often. You don't see McLeat's die, but you assume he dies because he's being attacked by the crocodiles and goes over the waterfall. Yeah. Um, and doesn't get saved by an eagle. Um, so the fact that Bernard pushes him, it's yeah. not an accident. Bernard flicks his foot. He literally murdered him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually it's like, wow. I don't know if Disney have ever really done that before. And it no. was, it's, yeah. And I, he plays into this dark element just a little bit too much for the me. The only I, other I, one I can think, you know, um, is it Lost City of Atlantis? Is that the full title of the film? Does I've it, never seen they... it. Oh, no, God, I've never seen it. Never seen? It's actually not bad. Disney, um, Disney film I've never seen. But I think, I think, it, I don't think that they, I, I can't remember, it's been so long since I've seen it, but I think it's something to do with like a poison dagger or something like that and he like slashes, okay. slashes him so therefore he dies but it's not actually like a stab as far as like I could be completely making that up because as I said it's been a good 10 years since I've seen it I've probably seen it twice but yeah I, I think that was the example that we thought of when I was talking about this with my friends mm. of, of potentially we need to watch it because I've, I've never I've never killed. seen it I've never ever seen it mm. um you definitely need to yeah it. yeah so obviously we get the moment Bernard um, proposes to Bianca um, and poor Wilbur's left on the cliff um, to look after the eggs. Mm. Um, but I do feel there's lots in this film that are just not tied up. There's just like lots of little things that <laughs> yeah. just don't, you know, they go off into the sunset, you know, you, they're going to get married. But I think it's because Disney still this point they wanted to carry this franchise on yeah. and and they didn't want this to be the end of Bianca and Bernard and I think even if they had a choice now they would do it and it's mm. I, I 
I think this film sort of taught them that there's not much. Um, I mean, this is the first film that, um, first Disney classic that is an actual sequel. So other sequels were made for video. This was the first sequel to be released as a Disney classic. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. And it well, was, yeah, I was going to say, I can't think of any think, other sequels. So, yeah. I'm trying to now think of it. It didn't happen again until Frozen 2. Wow. Because it it taught them that, you know, recycling characters isn't always the best thing. Yeah. I don't think. And But I do love this film. I do love the world building of it. I do love um, the character Joanna. And it's it has got a big place in my heart because it was a film I watched on repeat as a yeah. kid. Um, but I do think as an adult, it has become a film that I'm like, wow, there are, this is dark. And I think it was um, a lot of bit of a sort of casualty of the time as well, because there was a thing that I, I hadn't really thought it is a conservation film. It's a film about um, planet mm-hmm. conservation, about yeah. not poaching and all of that kind of thing. Which is very, and, very relevant today really yeah more more so than when it came out probably but then it was it was of its time because around this same period was also the release of fern gully oh right okay and films like that you know that were um of the same ilk you know about saving the planet and popular theme yeah it was it was but yeah so I hope you enjoyed this film as much as I did. I did. I, I honestly, the nostalgia was so strong. It was absolutely yeah. when you when you suggested it, I was like, okay, cool, I've seen that, but could not remember a single thing about it. And then as soon as I watched it, it was like, it, like I said, it was like some of the scenes. It was like I watched it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I think it's one that everyone has seen at some point, mm. but and it's a slow burner, and there are some really great elements of it, but. I think it really did teach Disney a lesson about making the right choices in in their yeah. sequels. Um, because after this, all the other films, their sequels were made for video. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, after this, they went back to their Renaissance classics. They went back to Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and you know, and it went back to those in Pocahontas and those uh, films with the songs. And I think that was where they are. And I think it was just a moment, momentarily momentary blip in, yeah. in the period yeah and I think like you said it's just it was the timing as well I think like you said yeah. it was early 80s or something like that then it would have worked a lot better it would have been a lot more popular because so. also the, the people that were watching the original rescuers that probably loved it would have been too old for it when it came yeah out. you know we're talking yeah. we're talking 20 years we're talking a whole generation those people yeah. would have had children by that point yeah so, and it's not like today when you can just stream it and just be like hey kids let's watch the rescuers because we're going to go see the new one tomorrow like you couldn't yeah. do that in the 90s so yeah no definitely definitely well thank you so much for the last two weeks you are so welcome thank you i've had so much fun um is there anything that you would like to plug um, oh, while i'm here you can well, well, um, well, yes, there is the Anything You Can Do podcast, which I do with Paige, who I think was on your first episode. She was on my first podcast. two episodes. She, she was. was. She was. Um, so me and Paige have Anything You Can Do podcast, which is available, obviously, on Spotify and all of that jazz. Um, and then I also have my own 
small business, which is Bam Designs. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram or anything like that, I make some jewellery. I've got some Christmas stuff at the moment that is um, for sale um, and will be until Christmas. <laughs> and and I've, then, just seen, yeah. I've seen your Christmas stuff. It looks great. So, yes, Thank definitely you. have a look. Definitely have a look. Thank you. Yeah, I've got a few markets coming up, but, you know, online stuff is also available. So Perfect. There's my plugs. There's your plugs. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you get better. And yeah. Four more days to go. I can do Four this. more days. Four <laughs> more days. Then it's full on to Panto. Yeah. And but... then Christmas. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, don't even go there. I'm not even started yet. <laughs> so... Thank you very much, and I will see everyone next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.